You have found the Lions College Football Podcast. It is week number nine in college football, getting ever so close to the release of the first college football playoff top 25 rankings. In this show, we will look at the slate. Brett Gibbons will give his favorite bets of the week. We will not only do Saturday games, we have some Thursday action for you. We have uh, some Friday games on the slate as well, but uh, we'll look at some Thursday and Saturday games that we have picked out here for this week. And also, Brett, let's take a look back at last week. A bit frustrating, but this happens from time to time. Do we have to? So if anybody's out there that's still (laughs) listening to us after what we endured last week, uh, we went just about over on on bets. Um, Cincinnati went up twenty nine fourteen. Ole Miss went up by a lot. Texas went up, and all of them blew it. Every single one of them. Um, Iowa played good defense, but six turnovers, short fields. They got blown out. Oh my gosh, was this a frustrating, frustrating week? But. We're still ahead on the season. We're still doing well. We're going to press forward. I'm okay with that. So anybody that's still stuck with us through last week's absolute, uh, boy, bad, 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 bad week. But put in the rearview mirror. Let's get after it. And on the bright side, starting Thursday, October 27th, we have 27 days of football. 27 consecutive days of either an NFL game or at least one college football game on the television. It is a beautiful time of the year to get into this. Gibbons has an article over at thelines.com, which will be up on Thursday. You can check it out and you can check back to it every day to figure out, you know, which where are we at in the 27 days of football? Who's playing today? We got Sunday night football. We got Thursday night football. We got Tuesday action, Wednesday games. We got Friday night football and not just at your local high school. So it's going to be awesome stuff. Great odds uh, all over thelines.com. As always, you can go under the uh, the drop down menu under odds under NCAA football you can always check the weekly college football lines to get the best available prices and spreads across every sports book in your state so you don't have to flip through all the apps on your own with that being said Gibbons let's jump into this Thursday night Virginia Tech at NC State the Wolfpack minus 13 and a half at home over under of just 39 and a half 7 30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN my god I got to calculate this team total for Virginia Tech because almost a two touchdown dog with a total of just 39 and a half that is not a good offense no, that's 13 implied team points for Virginia Tech. Uh, and rightfully so, they've been a disaster. I feel like the same few teams have been playing on Thursdays and Fridays, and we always end up talking about them on the show. And Virginia Tech is one of those teams. West Virginia is the other one. They played like three Thursday games, something ridiculous. Um, both these teams are coming off a bye, which is great. There's there's no rest advantage here. That's pretty typical if they're playing on Thursdays. Um, what really sucks, though, for NC State is that Devin Leary is out for the season. We've known that for a couple of weeks now. That really, really hurts the Wolfpack. Jack Chambers is the backup quarterback. Against Syracuse, he managed to score nine points and 3.7 yards per play. Now, Virginia Tech's defense is not Syracuse's defense, um, but NC State's offense has issues and they're going to have issues for the rest of the season that's why we're seeing this under 40 uh, point total now when we're talking about low totals and why points in the nfl are so much more valuable than they are in college on the spread um again it's these low total games so 13 and a half points is kind of a lot now do i have the, the the gall to to lay you know lay the points with virginia tech no 
Certainly not. They're, boy, are they terrible. That 13-point team total, that's interesting. That almost seems like it's too low and and something that I am considering maybe betting over on as kind of a just hold your nose, look away, maybe don't even watch the game, maybe turn on Thursday night football in the NFL. Um, Because Virginia Tech's 116th in points per drive. But we've also been able to nail them all season long. Every time we talked about Virginia Tech, we've, we've been pretty, pretty sharp with it. So I'm going to put my neck out there, risk being wrong. I am looking over Virginia Tech's 13 points, two touchdowns. That's all. That's all we need. We're not asking a lot here. I mean, it's 14 it points in a college a football game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With Virginia Tech, it is kind of asking a lot. Hey, we got more Thursday night football action here. Utah minus seven at Washington State in the Pac-12 is a 10 p.m. Eastern time kickoff on FS1. Bit of a higher total than what we see in the ACC on Thursday night. 55 is the total here between the Utes and the Washington State Cougars. So what do we what do we think here for this one? Well, really interestingly, this line moved off seven and a half points down to seven in favor of Utah. Um, that happened, I believe, Wednesday morning. Maybe it was Tuesday overnight. But I was seeing seven and a half when I was prepping for the show all week. And then it dipped to seven. And that's really important because I think I'm going to jump on that seven real quick. I like Utah in this spot. Even though Pullman's a difficult, kind of weird place to play. Teams don't typically play their best in Pullman, Washington. If you've ever been there, uh, it is in the middle of nowhere. Um, so Utah's defensive weakness is against the run. Uh, they're they're pretty solid against the pass. They do have Clark Phillips, a third, who's excellent, excellent cornerback. Um, but they don't defend the run very well. Um, the problem is, is Washington State attempts the fewest or they, they call the fewest rushing plays per game in, in the country. So are they going to maybe try to lean on that run game a little bit? We saw them do it a little bit against Wisconsin in the upset win on the road. Um, I don't know that they're going to just because that's not their tendency. So let's look at Washington State's wins on the season so far. Idaho, um, they beat them by seven. They're in the FCS. They did beat Wisconsin, which at the time looked really good and is looking progressively worse, even though Wisconsin's getting a little bit better now. Um, Colorado State, they beat and they beat Cal. Uh, Their losses are to Oregon, USC, Oregon State. And Utah is just a team that's going to beat every single team that they're supposed to and maybe not be quite at that level. You know, they lost to Florida and they lost to uh, uh, UCLA. So... I think Utah's got this one in the bag and the fact that it's a touchdown, a touchdown, even maybe be patient and see if it continues to move toward Washington state. But I think I'm going to jump on this minus seven for Utah. Fair enough. Yeah. Speaking as somebody who has traveled and covered a game at Washington state. Yeah. It is not an easy trip. Now I'm sure Utah's got a chartered flight is going directly in there to, to Pullman or to Moscow, Idaho, which is right down the road across the border. So, uh, it's, it's a lot easier for them, but yeah, very, very interesting place to play. Um, I, there've been plenty of teams who have gone up to Pullman and, and had really tough games over the years and either didn't cover or lost outright. So, uh, but Utah's got Pac-12 hopes in front of them now after that amazing win over USC. They're playing for a conference title at this point, and this is not a game that they can afford to drop. That is for sure. Friday night, college football slate. We have a game between East Carolina and BYU. 8 p.m. Eastern time kickoff on ESPN2. Total of 62 in this one. BYU is a three-point favorite a lot of interesting games here for BYU since they're, you know, independent, not playing in a conference. A lot of fun matchups here on their schedule. And this East Carolina game is no different with a small spread here. 
Yeah. How about East Carolina traveling from Greenville, North Carolina, which is way out there by the Atlantic coast. They're going to Provo, Utah. That is an interesting, interesting spot for the pirates. Um, and I think that spot is so interesting. That's why we're seeing BYU favored by three points. Um, last outing East Carolina, like handed it to UCF, totally unexpected out. I think one of the, the most surprising outcomes of the weekend, East Carolina is a, a good team. They're, they're playing good football this year. And then the other really surprising uh, outcome this week was BYU got hammered by Liberty on the road. Hammered. It was 41 to 14. Um, BYU's defense is a real problem. They're 129th in success rate, 119th in EPA per rush allowed, 127th in passing success rate allowed. The, the list just goes on this and they're getting worse. I, I think the wheels have completely fallen off this defense. And that's something East Carolina might be able to capitalize on. Holt Naylor's uh, quarterback for East Carolina playing well. He's thrown 18 touchdowns and just five interceptions. Uh, the 18 touchdowns that's matched his last year's total already um, through just eight games, which again, East Carolina playing really good football. I like them a lot. If you look at their team total props, East Carolina, uh, the over for 29 and a half for them is actually juiced and BYU's total of 32 and a half is actually juiced toward the under. So if you kind of, uh, project that out, BYU is really only favored by two. If you look at their implied total, which flawed way of looking at it, but it's interesting at the very least. Uh, the aggregate power ratings, which include SP plus FBI, FEI, Sagra, and a few others, they actually favor East Carolina by a point and a half on the road. And I think it's because BYU's defense really is that bad. Now, Lavelle Edwards Stadium and Provo, tough, usually, sorry, usually a tough place to play. The teams have had no issue scoring there this year. So I think I'm going to take East Carolina. And you can actually find, uh, as of Wednesday afternoon morning-ish, you can find a three and a half at points bet. Maybe it'll flash somewhere else. If it jumps to three and a half, I'm absolutely diving on it, but I am considering taking East Carolina plus three. It's also a juice three and a half. If that points bet one is gone, uh, there's also a juice three and a half at FanDuel as we record, but threes across the board now. So this is moving towards that, that flat three. And even then I still find value on East Carolina. Cause I saw what you saw where on a neutral field, the metrics, the, the projections have East Carolina better here. And you mentioned the, the defense for BYU. And, you know, if, if East Carolina is about two and a half point favorite on a neutral field with these two teams, BYU does not have five and a half points worth of home field here. Like, that's not a thing. So it's, it's not the easiest place to go play in Provo, Utah. But and it's a long trip for East Carolina. Uh, but this this seems mispriced to me. If we're getting the key number of three or better here, I think that seems like a pretty solid bet, right? Yeah, I like it. And and to be to be clear that that favoring of ECU by one and a half points is, is actually including them playing right. on the road. So it's right. interesting, interesting spot to look at. Let's look at the Saturday slate of college football games in week number nine. And we will start with the big noon kickoff on Fox between Ohio State and Penn State. As you might expect, Ohio State, a 15 and a half point road favorite here, total of 61. We have seen this script play out over and over again with James Franklin at Penn State. Do we should we expect anything different here against the Buckeyes? <laughs> uh, to beat them outright? No, probably not, especially since this isn't a whiteout. If you see, I have the little white palm from the whiteout that I went to last weekend. Uh, it was incredible, by the way, incredible game. Um, so I've been watching Ohio State for multiple decades. Penn State always plays them tough. I don't care how good either team is. 
In the last five outings, Ohio State's won all five, but there were zero wins coming by 14 or more points. It's always a nine-point win. It's always a seven-point win, a three-point win, one point. It's just they always play really tough. But Ohio State can score any freaking way that they want. Last week, they were <laughs> held to 5.8 yards per play against Iowa, which is interesting because you look at the final score, 54-10. Ohio State blew them out. Not offensively, they sure didn't because they've been putting up 7.7 yards per play on the season. Um, Ohio State forced six turnovers, was able to score on a lot of those. And if you look at the first half, it was all short fields. The Every single drive for the Ohio State Buckeyes, except one in the first half, was 25 or fewer yards. So Iowa actually did a, a decent job, uh, you know, retrospectively, I guess, on this offense. So you can look at it, and it's it's hard to envision, but the Ohio State offense actually showed some vulnerabilities, even though they dropped 54 points. So is Penn State good enough to be able to capitalize on that? I don't know. I don't think so. Watching what happened against Michigan, yeah, we'll see. That's what happens when Penn State can, can't run the football, and Ohio State's only allowing 2.9 yards per rush on the season. So I think Penn State's going to try to run the ball. They're going to try their hardest at home in front of a noon crowd. It's still going to be sold out, still going to be very loud. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to do that, though. Now, let's look at Penn State's defense a little bit. They have a very good secondary. Jair Brown is outstanding, all-American caliber safety. Joey Porter, also all-American caliber corner. But they don't have enough dudes. Jackson Smith and Jigba is back for Ohio State. Marvin Harrison might be the best receiver in the country. I don't know. I don't think that Penn State's offense is going to keep up. But I'm not betting Ohio State minus 15 and a half on the road at Penn State, knowing what I know about these two teams historically this year, situationally, I wouldn't bet it. Am I saying I'm betting Penn State plus 15 and a half? No, but I'm not betting Ohio State going away. Okay, well, before we move on, let me see if I can convince you to bet Penn State here, because we just talked about the Friday night game where the the projections, your aggregate projections have East Carolina favored on a neutral field and um, they're given too much for home field advantage for BYU. Different situation here. I think they're giving too much credit to the road team here and not enough for home field for Penn State. I'm curious what the rest of your your aggregate rankings have here for these two teams on a neutral field. I'm showing 14 points on ESPN FPI on a neutral for Ohio state over Penn state. And the spread is 15 and a half, despite it being in happy Valley. So if you're given home field advantage here, this should be based on FPI around 11 and we're getting more than two touchdowns here for Penn state at 15 and a half. So curious what the rest, I just mentioned FPI curious what the rest of those projections say on your screen and based on that and based on the history you've said about these teams and um, whether this is too many points and you're going to fire on Penn State potentially uh yeah it it actually does have Ohio State by 13.3 on the road so that's interesting uh which means if you take the you know in the neutral uh, on neutral field 15 and a half is about right I really don't know what to think situationally I I really don't. This is a tough spot to play for both teams because Penn State, you know, to show up at noon. uh, I was just in State College. No one lives in State College. They come from out of town. So when you're dealing with out of town uh, fans and you have to deal with the noon game, they don't really have all that time to get really juiced and energized. Now they're going to show up. They're going to be there. This isn't the whiteout. If you want to look at my Twitter, go go look at the the video of what the whiteout looks like and the energy that comes from that. It's not going to be quite the same at noon. I, I can I can't bet Penn State because I could see this being just a complete look, look what happened against Michigan. I know it was on the road, but they got destroyed. 
Their offense scored 10 points. Ohio State's defense, I'll put it out there right now. Ohio State's defense is playing every bit as well as Michigan's defense is. Why would I expect a different outcome? Yeah, you make fair points. They they fell apart in the second half against Michigan. So maybe this is if we can get more than a touchdown in the first half, maybe that's maybe that's the play here. Penn State first half to cover plus seven and a half or better if we can get something like that. Uh, but hey, your your opinion has been heard and you make good points. So, uh, but it is a big number for Ohio State on the road against Penn yes, State in Happy yeah. Valley. Fun fact: Happy Valley becomes the third largest city in the state of Pennsylvania when Penn state has a home game. So it's awesome. It's a fun environment. 3.30 PM kickoff on ESPN Saturday between Cincinnati and UCF. UCF uh, is not favored in this one at home. This is a pick them with an over under of 56. What do you see here out in the old AAC, the American? This is an interesting matchup and it's why I put on the docket. Uh, UCF is favored at some books. Some books have it as a pick them. Cincinnati was favored earlier in the week in spots. It seems like odds makers don't really know what the heck to do with this game. And I'm kind of with them. I don't really know what to expect either. Uh, again, airing laundry, just Cincinnati, you were up 29 to 14 and you couldn't cover a three point <laughs> spread. Come on, guys. Um, but they were able to run the football against SMU, which is great. Now, UCF is a little bit better than that. They actually have a really good defense. Um, they're dead even. Power ratings preferred UCF by one at home. That's about what we're seeing there. Uh, this kind of goes without saying, but it is interesting to note when John Rice Plumley doesn't play well, UCF falls apart in their two losses this season. He has zero touchdowns accounted for and four interceptions. That's against Louisville uh, and, and ECU. Now he didn't throw a touchdown against Georgia tech. They still won, but he did run one in interestingly enough. So I don't really love betting sides here because this is basically a toss up. There's not really value in betting sides, especially if they're making it a pick them. There's just no reason to, uh, you know, it, they're saying it's a 50, 50 live betting. This game might be interesting based on the flow, but I'm actually looking at the total. I kind of, I like under 56 here. These are two good defenses and two offenses that are inconsistent. They can be really good or they can be really bad. And against good defenses, I kind of lean the under, especially with Cincinnati being the road team here. Another 3.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday, this one on Fox, Oklahoma State at Kansas State. Another small spread here, Kansas State minus one and a half at home, over under of 56 and a half. And um, this weird situation with the quarterbacks with Oklahoma State, we talked about it last week. Uh, where are we at now with this and, and with the quarterback on the other side here with Adrian Martinez? Well, Spencer Sanders looked just fine. <laughs> he he, he uh, completed nine of 14 passes for two touchdowns in the fourth quarter against Texas and led him to this big comeback win. So he's fine. Adrian Martinez, though, he played one drive and against TCU and then he went out um, and there was no sideline reporter in this game. So we have no idea what happened to him. He didn't practice Monday. So it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. However, this point spread is telling me that they expect Adrian Martinez to play. Uh, he hmm. was on the sidelines. He was doing, you know, he was dressed, he was jogging, but he never went back in, which is interesting. So I don't know. Be careful with that. The backup, Will Howard uh, for Kansas State. He did lead K-State to a 28-17 halftime lead against TCU before TCU uh, put the afterburners on and was able to beat them by 10. It's interesting. 
if Will Howard goes, I, I don't like Kansas State. But again, that the market is suggesting that Adrian Martinez is going to play. Does someone know something about that injury that I don't? Perhaps. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting. So the, the way that Oklahoma State was able to pressure Quinn Ewers last year, or last week, I mean, and, and Ewers is a freshman, so he's still got a lot of learning to do. Uh, he, you know, he's kind of susceptible to those blitzes and stuff like that. They did a really good job. They forced him into like a horrible complete. I think he was 19 for 49, something just disgusting. Uh, can they do the same against Will Howard? Probably. If he plays, can they do the same against Adrian Martinez? Maybe, maybe they can force him into some of those turnovers that we've seen throughout his, uh, throughout his career. I've been a sucker for a short underdogs on the road in, in the big 12 and Oklahoma state's no different. So I think I would take Oklahoma state with the points here. Fun fact. If, if Adrian Martinez can't go, this is going to be the third straight year that K state will have their, their backup quarterback in against Oklahoma state. That's no fun. But as far no. <laughs> as Adrian Martinez goes beat writer down there at K state, uh, Kellis Robinette, tweeted out this week that he's going to get the next few days off. The key day will be on Thursday. If he can oh, run it that. full speed. Yeah, I know. If he can <laughs> run it full speed on Thursday, he will play against Oklahoma State. So uh, I guess get yourself dialed into Oklahoma State beat, beat reporters, beat writers, see if anything comes out of uh, Gundy interviews or press conferences or uh, any kind of leaks. But uh, we're, we're looking to see if he can run at full speed. Um, I said Gundy, obviously we're looking for K state reports here on Adrian Martinez. Uh, so we'll just keep an eye on that. This is a situation that could definitely move the line a lot and you can have a chance to be ahead of it, uh, depending on the outcome of the news here. So keep an eye on that Adrian Martinez injury situation. Yeah. And quarterback hide your freaking quarterbacks from TCU Quinn Ewers protect this man at all costs they have now <laughs> knocked out a quarterback in four straight games they even banged up Will Howard like good god keep your quarterbacks away from these guys they're nasty you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Missouri at South Carolina. The Gamecocks, a four-point home favorite at 4 p.m. Eastern time on SEC Network, over under of 47 in this one. Uh, what caught your eye here, Brett? I like this one a lot. I like South Carolina a lot. I am taking them minus four. Really feel good about this one. Missouri's offense, they are bad. They're 103rd in points per drive. And it's a quarterback issue and an offensive line issue. Their offensive line stinks. Their quarterback can't throw. We saw this as early as the spring when I was noting they, they can't throw the ball downfield. And they have, you know, ter- they have a uh, Luther Burden, a terrific true freshman five-star player. I think the highest rated player in Missouri's history. Anyway, Eli Drinkowitz was quoted as saying uh, in uh, he was asked if he was going to give up the play calling duties. So, yeah, yeah, may- maybe next year. And he was quoted as saying, but not this year. I created this problem. I have to fix it. Okay. 
yeah, have fun with that. I don't think it's going to fix anything. And it's, it's not really a play calling or a coaching issue more so than it is that just their quarterback and offensive line stink. They don't have the talent there. It's fine. South Carolina last week, a little bit of luck against Texas A&M. They returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown and then forced two turnovers uh, consecutively right after that. But their offense still scored 23 points on A&M. That's not easy. Alabama only scored 24 offensive points. And Mississippi State, despite scoring 42, I think it was, only 28 of those came came on offense. So scoring on Texas A&M is not easy. And South Carolina was able to successfully. Missouri's wins this season. Louisiana Tech, Abilene Christian, which is in the FCS. And they only beat Vanderbilt at home by three on homecoming. This team's a mess. Uh, Their losses, they played well at Georgia, but that kind of seemed to take everything out of them. I don't know if they have anything left in the tank after that floor, uh, Georgia game, because they've also lost to Florida. They got killed by Kansas state. They lost to Auburn. I, I don't like Missouri at all. And I think South Carolina is a very good team. They, they snuck into the top 25, but they're five and two and their two losses have come to Georgia. And, um, Oh man, I should have this in front of me. <laughs> they, who they lost to earlier. But they have two good losses to, to Arkansas, and, and Arkansas was a top ten team at the time. So they're they're a very good team, uh, and Missouri's not. And if you're telling me that we're giving a good team four points at home against a bad team, I'll take that. I want to I want you to look at your aggregates here too, and let us know what you see because ESPN FPI has South Carolina three points better in this game on a neutral, and the spread is only four. That's not enough home field advantage in my mind. So that. Um, you know, based on your handicapping as well, and you combine that, then it's it, to me this number's a, a bit short, and I'm sure it's another reason why you bet it. Um, do your other aggregates agree here with with F, what FPI has shown us? It has six and six point six, so basically six and a half for South Carolina at home. I think Missouri's overrated in those ratings. Yeah, their defense their defense is pretty good, but they're also not holding the good teams to few points. So are they really that good? So four and then is clearly a really good number for us here is what you're saying. Yeah, and, and I hate doing this. I get burned so often, but it, it did move <laughs> down from four and a half to four, which is inconsequential fairly in terms of like push rate and win probability and stuff like that. It's very minuscule. But seriously, you're giving me South Carolina, a good team under a touchdown at home against a bad team. Sure, I'll take it. SEC prime time, 7 p.m. kickoff on ESPN between Kentucky and Tennessee. Kentucky, the number 19 team in the country. Tennessee, the number three team. The road has been cleared for the Vols to reach the college football playoff. Total of 63 and a half in this game. Tennessee minus 12 and a half in Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. Rocky Top will be in peak form once again for this one. But I wonder about Kentucky when they have their starting quarterback because they had the loss against Ole Miss. The other loss, they didn't have Will Levis, their starting quarterback. And that at least makes this worth a conversation in my mind. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't need to be said. But Tennessee, do not look past this game. George is on tap. That is the biggest game of the college football season if Tennessee wins on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Do not look past the Kentucky Wildcats. I'd also like to see how the volunteers respond to now being every team's Super Bowl. They're the team now with the target painted on their back. They beat up on UT Martin last week. It's a bye week for them, basically. Keeping them warm, I guess. Uh, and Kentucky had a bye week. 
Kentucky's coming after them. And Tennessee better watch out because Kentucky can come after them. They're very good at containing scrambling quarterbacks. Hennon Hooker is a quarterback that can scramble. Is he going to be able to against Kentucky defense? I don't know. Anthony Richardson wasn't able to. And I think Anthony Richardson's a better runner. So we'll see how that goes when Hennon Hooker all of a sudden doesn't have that escape where he can't, you know, slip out the back and, and pick up eight yards for the first down on third down when they need it. Uh, the Kentucky defense is built to stuff the inside run. They're very, very good at it. They're fourth in the country uh, in power success rate on defense, meaning no, you're not running between the tackles on these guys. The thing is, is Tennessee is very good at rushing to the edge. They're six overall in rushing success rate as a team. That's encouraging. Uh, and, and, you know, they've been able, they, they carved up Alabama on the edge, being able to run. Um, Kentucky's also very good on third down. They're only allowing conversions on about 34% of those opposing third downs. That's 38th nationally. But again, I don't like Tennessee in the spot. They have Georgia ahead. I know that you're not looking past the top 20 Kentucky team, but maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe they think that we beat Alabama. We don't need to worry about Kentucky. We're going to beat them. And let's go into Georgia and beat them too. I'm taking Kentucky plus 12 and a half. Can't say I disagree with you. I mean, this is uh, this is a big rivalry game. I mean, it's it's gone back a very long period of time, and like, let's be honest here. But there was a a very long stretch of time where Tennessee beat Kentucky like over and over and over again. And uh, despite that streak being over, Kentucky fans have not forgotten that this is a big game for them every year on the schedule when they play Tennessee. And now they get a chance to play the best Tennessee team that we've seen in a long time. So um, absolutely agree with you that the cats are going to be up for this one. And man, what a quarterback battle this is going to be. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, especially with Will Levis being near the top of, of some of these quarterback draft rankings for the NFL in 2013. So uh, it's going to be a, a lot of fun on on Saturday night. Um, I think hearing Rocky Top from 100,000 people is like one of my favorite things in college football, yes. by the way. I don't know about it's, you. I it, I think it's the best fight song in college football. I love Rocky Top. Um, I In my NCAA 14, I picked Tennessee just so I can hear Rocky Top when I scored. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was great. I, now, I, I understand that picking Kentucky with the points could look really dumb if Tennessee just boat races them. It could happen. Tennessee is very good. Picking against Tennessee is dicey. But to your point about this rivalry going back a long time, Tennessee just beating them over and over and over again. Those teams that see a one-sided rivalry where Kentucky said, yes, this is a rivalry. Tennessee probably wouldn't say that. They got Florida. They got Alabama. They got Georgia. Those are their rivalries. Kentucky sees Tennessee as a rival. Those teams are extremely dangerous. Moving on here, staying in the SEC, 7.30 p.m. kickoff on SEC Network. Ole Miss, minus two and a half on the road at Texas A&M. Total of 55 here. Always get our interest peaked a little bit when we see a home dog, but uh, you're going right back to the well with Ole Miss after they just completely gave you a, a shellacking in the second half in the fourth quarter last week. I am. I am. I like Ole Miss minus two and a half. Uh, the report is that Haynes King should be available for Texas A&M, which is great because Max Johnson went down with a broken finger, broken hand, some broken bone in his in his upper body uh, last week. Anaya Smith, we know, has been out. He's out for the season. And then a report came out that they suspended three freshmen for violating team protocols. I'm not sure the 100% the details on it. 
But this is now the second time that Texas A&M has had to suspend players on their team for acting like idiots. And that to me is like, coach Jimbo Fisher, get your stuff together, man. Get your players together. I don't like teams that have culture issues. And I know this isn't numbers and I know this isn't metrics, but like when I see a team with a culture issue, I cannot wait to fade them. And that's exactly what I'm doing here. But there's, there's more reasons here. So, uh, in a preview magazine, the Athlon sports preview magazine, they talked about, uh, they talked to opposing coaches and they gave quotes on all teams. And this was Texas A&M's quote. And, and I'm, I'm reading quote here. Their rep is that once they lose that one big game, they're not the same when it's all on the line, when it's not all on the line, pardon me, you don't really ever get their best. And we saw that when they went into Williams Bryce stadium and got their butts kicked because they lost that game to Alabama. That's their one big game that they didn't win. And now I don't think this team's playing all that hard. Now, Texas A&M, now we'll get into some numbers here. I know that this has been narrative driven this whole time. Now, some numbers here. Texas A&M, 10 straight games where they haven't scored 25 points against FBS teams. That's disgusting. I hate this offense so much. It's so bad because uh, they have all this talent. They should be able to. Um, Zach Evans also didn't play against LSU. He was a late scratch. I handicapped him into the game and Ole Miss's ability to run the football. Uh, and they were able to in the first half because they jumped out to a big lead. They were up 14-3 at the end of the first quarter, and then they let that get away. They didn't score a single point in the second half. First half, 7.7 yards per play. Second half, 3.3 yards per play against LSU. So this was a team that got up big. They tried to run the football. They didn't have Zach Evans. They didn't do it very well. And then LSU just kind of took the game away from them at home. I don't think that's going to happen again. This is a tough road spot for L- for Ole Miss to go to LSU and walk into Kyle Field, but Ole Miss is still the better football team. I know I said this last week, but Ole Miss is still the better football team. They let one get away from them last week. The Ole Miss wasn't going 12-0. I think that they get back on the horse. They're facing a team that has visibly, I don't know if given up is the right word, but they're not playing as hard as they, they can. They're not playing to their potential. They have issues in the locker room. I don't think I can't see how Texas A&M wins this. I have a comp for you. I want to get your reaction. Texas A&M, Texas A&M is the Dallas Cowboys of college football. Completely undisciplined, makes mistakes on and off the field, and has a coach whose name suggests he is better than he actually is. Yes. Yeah, I, I saw I saw an interesting thing about Jimbo Fisher. Undefeated in the ACC, I think it was 14-0, 16-0 under Jameis Winston. Four, and this is back at Florida State. He was only 14-10 and 10 against ACC opponents without Jameis Winston. Oof. Yeah, that's, Guys, that's he, not good. He's a, he's a great recruiter. Yeah. He, he's not a good coach. All right. He's he's a worse he, he has a worse record than Kevin Sumlin who they fired at this point. He has a worse record at this point through this many games than Kevin Sumlin. They kick Kevin Sumlin to the curb and say, "Get out of town. We hate you." Jimbo man. Fisher has a worse record, guys. And you're paying this is, man 100 million dollars. Is he going to get a bag of money to not coach there anymore? Holy crap. I can't imagine I can't imagine that? it. No, I don't think so because the the Texas schools they're all like this. UT's like this. Texas A&M's like this. The boosters run the show. It's not the it's not the AD. It's the boosters. The boosters love Jimbo Fisher. He keeps them in the news. He's a very true Southern 
Texas feel culture guy, great recruiter, excellent for the brand, excellent for money, can't win a thing on the football field. I don't think the boosters care. They're going to keep him there forever. He's going to coach Texas A&M for 35 years, and they're never going to win more than nine games. And they're going to lose a lot of games. Yeah, they're going to lose. They they're are. going to lose big game after big game. Oh, man. They are. Te- Texas A&M, I, I'm sorry to any fans that are out there that are probably screaming, like, this guy doesn't know. Texas A&M cares more about their brand and what they look like than actually winning football games. And that's why I'm picking Ole Miss, a good team, to go in there and beat them by a field goal or more. Lane Kiffin special, baby. I love it. Any final thoughts here before we close up shop, Brett? No, hopefully a better week this week. Um, Everyone, good luck. Good Lord. If you're still here, thank you so much for putting up with us through last week. But you know that happens. Uh, This is sneaky. This slate is a very sneakily dire slate for so many teams. It's going to be very interesting. Keep a very close eye on these games. Love it. Absolutely love it. You know what? Brett's Brett's a modest guy. You can hear it in his voice, but he's still profitable for the season. So let's not lose sight of that as well. So you can check out his work as always over at thelines.com. You can follow him on Twitter at road to CFB. Love following him myself, not just to read his work, but also see all the great trips he goes on around the country, all the awesome stadiums he goes to visit as well. It's a lot of fun, man, to watch your travels. That's for sure. So uh, be sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Let us know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube who you are betting on this week in college football and as always be sure to join our free discord channel as well go to the lines.com top right corner hit that discord button and once you're in there go to the roles server you can click on some emojis to get push alerts every time anybody on our staff locks in a bet to make sure you get the best of the number to get ahead of line movement later in the week if you're making your bets right around kickoff you're losing value and you're doing it wrong most of the time. So uh, make sure that you are following us on Discord. Make sure you're following Brett on Twitter at Road to CFB. And best of luck with all your college football bets here in week number nine. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.